Good morning. We're so glad you guys are here today. Thank you for coming to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with us. I mean it. You are our honored guest. Thank you for coming. And I don't know about you, but I've been just a little bit blessed. Amen? Just a little bit blessed. The choir song, Brother David's trumpet, the worship has just been great. And we're excited about this. This is like genuine excitement because the biggest and greatest news is that he lives. It's an amazing thing. It was such a game changer for men, for women, and for children. And again, the whole world's history has been changed because of what happened in the lifetime of Jesus Christ. It's just an amazing thing. And everything we believe about God is based on this book. Everything. I mean, like, you know, we don't like sit in a room somewhere and try to come up with some good news or something. This book has stood the millennial of time, the test of time. Over century after century after century after century, it stood the test of time. And the reason why is, it is the Word of God. So what you're going to hear today is not something I would dream up, because there would be absolutely no power in that. It's not something the Southern Baptist Convention sentence they dreamed up. There would certainly be no power in that. What you hear today is truth from the Word of God. And there's such like inspiring, encouraging things in the Word of God. But here's the deal. Genesis chapter 5 is not one of those. You, know, you, really ought to need your Bi- you really ought to read your Bible. There are some incredible things in the Bible. I mean, not just one or two. There are lots. But Genesis 5 is not one of those. Y'all do know Genesis chapter 5, don't you? It goes something like this. So-and-so lived. He had children. And he died. Verse number 10. So-and-so lived. He had children, and he died. By now, you might be thinking the children are killing him. I don't know. But on and on. It goes this way and goes this way for 20 verses. Born, lived, had children, died. Born, lived, had children, died. That was just the way it was. And then comes verse 20. In verse 20, we do have a guy born. His name was Enoch. He's born... He has a son named Methuselah, and some of you have heard that so-and-so is older than Methuselah. Well, Methuselah was the oldest guy in the Bible. So Enoch was the dad of Methuselah, but unlike all the other 20 verses, the Bible says something different. The Bible says that all of a sudden Enoch was not because God took him. Now remember... Born, lived, had children, died. Born, lived, had children, died. And here comes Enoch, and all of a sudden, he's not because God just took him. It's like, it's like God decided to interrupt the death process. It's like God decided enough is enough. We're going to do something different. And you know what? That's what Jesus did. He said, enough of this death thing already. It's time to do something a little different. Are there any Star Wars fans here today? He's our war friends. Come on, guys. Raise your hands. Woo-hoo! Come on now. All right. Now, I know, I know. If you're older today and I say Star Wars, you probably think of President Reagan and the anti-missile program. That, that is one kind of Star Wars. But Star Wars, of course, was a movie. But they had a recent installment called Rogue One. And it came out, came out last December. And there were like a couple of really great, great quotes in that movie that deal with hope. You know, one of them is the heroine, whose name is Jen, you know, is sitting there, and she says these words to these, these ragabond teammates she has that's going to overthrow the, the empire, and she says, rebellion are born in hope. 
Rebellions are born in hope. And I'm telling you, God decided to lead a rebellion against death. And that's what Easter is all about. And then the last scene, I hope you've seen it already. But no, maybe a spoiler. But in the last scene of the movie, a guy runs in and hands something to the other heroine's name, Princess Leia, and hands her something. And he says, what did he give us? He gave us hope. And I want to tell you something. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He led a rebellion against death, and he gave us hope. I have stood in the funeral home with a lot of you these past years, and we've said goodbye to loved ones. And it was my privilege to stand up before you and offer hope of eternity because of Jesus Christ. It's simply amazing. And here are these guys, and and they sold everything they had to follow this man named Jesus. And even after he was crucified, they didn't stop believing in him. It's not like it's not like they became rock stars, you know. You know, so often, you know, sometimes uh, you know ministers become ministers, and churches become churches, and ministries become ministries, and everybody gets rich. Well, it didn't happen for the eleven. You know, one guy bailed and committed suicide, but the other eleven, they didn't become rock stars, and they didn't get rich. In fact, every one of them was martyred. Now, John got exiled to an island and died at the age of 90, exiled from everyone, living on a cold, damp island. But everyone else was martyred. And you've got to ask the question, if the resurrection is not true, why would these men die for a lie? Why would men die for a lie? And it didn't stop there. I mean, literally through the ages, thousands of millions of people have died Because they believed that Jesus Christ was crucified, but on Sunday he got up again. They believed it. Nero used to take the bodies of Christians who who refused to to reject Christ, refused to, to turn away from their faith. He would put them on crosses and line the streets with them, throw oil on their bodies and burn them. Why would people do this? That's what we want to talk about today. Now, before Peter was traditionally hung upside down, crucified upside down, he got all fired up. He got all fired up. And it happens in the book of Acts, chapter 2. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. In Acts, chapter 2, Peter is all fired up, and he's talking to a big group of people. And there are several things going on. This guy him all fired up. But I want to tell you about the one thing that changed Peter, and he just couldn't get get over it. Now, we've been studying Peter, and and Peter, well, can we just say Peter fell flat on his face? You remember remember last week, you know, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. I'm not going to deny you. All the rest of these guys are going to deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. And guess what happened? Yeah, Peter denies Jesus three times. He goes out, and he is just a broken man because he denied the man that he said he never would, and a man that he loved. But now we see this guy, we see this guy preaching, if you will, teaching, talking to a huge crowd, and there's a tenor in his voice, there's an attitude in his voice that's totally different. Something has stirred him. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and we want to take a close look. What's got Peter all fired up? Here's what it says. The Bible says this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Well, let's just pause there. Jesus of Nazareth. Does that not mystify you? 
Isn't it strange that we know more about Jesus, a carpenter from Nazareth. Now, let me pause with Nazareth. Uh, are there any um, Dorsville Alley Rats here still today? Yeah, there's a few hands go up. Um, they would all t- those who lived in Dorsville would tell you that Dorsville was considered by other people in town to be the wrong side of the tracks. This was not Southwest Acres. This wasn't Country Club Hills. This was the wrong side of the tracks. Well, to be from Nazareth was to be from the wrong side of the tracks. So first off, we had this guy who was raised as a carpenter, okay, and from the wrong side of the tracks. And today, we know more about him than we do all the Roman emperors put together. All the guys that had all the power and wielded that power in incredibly awful ways. We know more about a carpenter from an obscure part of Nazareth than we do all those. And you've got to ask the question, why is that? Well, we're going to find out. In fact, have you ever thought about this? The life of Jesus was so impactful. This carpenter that we should know nothing about, this carpenter from an obscure part of Nazareth, that guy, we divided time. We have A.D. and B.C. We divided our Roman calendar because of the life of Jesus Christ. What a world shaker this man named Jesus was, the obscure carpenter from Nazareth that we should know nothing about. We know more than all of his others. So Peter says, all right, now listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Peter says, this Jesus of Nazareth, the guy from the wrong side of the tracks, this Jesus of Nazareth, God testified of him through signs and wonders and miracles. And you know this, Peter. Peter said, you know, the folks standing there, they knew this. You know, perhaps Peter said, hey, hey, Joe. Joe, yeah, Joe, Joe. Joe, do you remember Zacchaeus? And Joe said, yeah, wasn't he that short guy? He said, yeah, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Any of you Sunday school folks know that song, amen? You know that song. Yeah, he was a short guy. And, and he was a very... Unkind tax collector. And tax letters were at the bottom of the social ladder. Uh, Zacchaeus was like a rabid chihuahua. No one liked him. His owners didn't like him. The Romans didn't like him. His Jews didn't like him. He had no friends. And one day, he wanted to see this man named Jesus. So because he was short, believe me, I understand short, he climbs up into the, to a sycamore tree, and he looks down there, and here comes Jesus. And Jesus pauses and goes, Hey, Zacchaeus, you need to come down because I'm going to your house today. And the bottom line is this. The short story is this. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, and he was like radically changed by Jesus Christ. And Peter would go, Hey, Joe, you remember that story? Yeah, I know that story. I saw that. And then perhaps he looked over here and said, Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim, do you know the story of blind Bartimaeus? And Jim would say, Wasn't he the blind guy? And Peter goes, uh, you're sharp. You're sharp. Yeah, blind Bartimaeus stepped aside the road, and, and he was blind all of his life. And, and he begged for alms, alms to the poor, alms to the poor. And all of a sudden he heard a ruckus, and down the road comes Jesus Christ. Well, who's coming down the road? It's Jesus. 
Hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus calls for him. And he gets up and they help him to Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? It seems like a dumb question, but it wasn't. Jesus said, so what do you want me to do for you? I mean, Jesus wanted him to identify the issue. And Bartimaeus said, blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. And Jesus said, okay, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And guess what? Blind Bartimaeus had to get a new name because he wasn't blind Bartimaeus anymore. He could see. And Jim, do you remember that story? Oh, yeah, I remember that story. And over here might be, might be a Mary. And, and Jesus, uh, Peter would say, hey, Mary, do you remember a guy named Lazarus? Oh, the dead guy. Yeah, the dead guy. Martha and Mary's brother. Yeah, four days dead, stinking dead. You know, in South, we have that, those terminologies. You're stinking good looking. You're stinking ugly, and you're stinking dead. So he was stinking dead? Yeah, four days he was stinking dead. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus went there, told him to roll the stone back, but Lord, he stinks by now. Roll the stone back. Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes hopping out of the grave. Hey, Mary, do you remember that story? How could I forget it? She would say. And then there's another Mary... Mary Magdalene, and most people agree that Mary was a prostitute. And some people believe that she might be the prostitute in the story when, when the religious folks, they do this sometimes, you know, when the religious folks go down to her house and drag her out of bed because they say she was taking adultery in the very act, so they drag her out of bed, throw her down in the middle of the dirt, make a circle around her and looks at Jesus and says, okay, the Bible says, the Word says, the, the uh, commandments say, Moses said, that we should stone her. What do you think we ought to do? Now, Stan, what do you think about that one? You remember that story? Yeah, yeah, I remember that story. You know what Jesus did? He didn't condemn her. In fact, he looked at the religious guys and said, Okay, all you folks with no sin, chuck the rocks. Instead of the chucking of the rocks, you hear rocks dropping. And starting at the very oldest and continuing on down, one by one, the people left. And finally, it's just the prostitute, Mary probably, and Jesus. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? And, and she looked around and said, well, they've gone. And he goes, that's right. And I don't condemn you either. Now go and change your life, sin no more, but I don't condemn you Either. And Peter says, you remember all these signs and wonders? And they all go, yeah, we, we saw these things. It wasn't like we read them in a history book. We saw these things happen. Peter says, that's exactly right. And then he says in verse number 23, he says, this Jesus, the one that went around doing all this good stuff, never any bad stuff, he did all the good stuff, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That is so cool. I know it sounds like church talk, but bottom line means this. That somewhere in eons past, before the foundation of the world was even laid, God planned Christmas and Easter. He gave us those two holidays. The biggest two holidays in Western culture, Christmas and Easter, God gave them to us. The plan was, we sinned, we had messed up, we were broken, we need rescue, we need a Savior, we need redemption. And so God just says, okay, we're going to have Easter and Christmas. So Christmas became, when God became man, Jesus Christ was born. He took on the form of a man, 100% God and 100% man. He grew up, and for three years he rocked this world. 
For three years, he rocked the world with good deeds and all this stuff. And then God gave us Easter. On Friday, he was crucified. But do you remember? Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. When my God went, whoops, messed that one up. Shouldn't have gone on vacation that week. No. No. He planned it. They crucified him on Friday according to the plan. And on the third day, he got up. He got up. How about that? Very incredible. And in fact, and then Peter like, like points the finger. Don't you hate when preachers point their fingers? Well, Peter points his finger and says this. You crucified. All the people there, you know. You crucified. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Yeah, you didn't actually drive the nails, but you encouraged the Romans to do it. And you may have not arranged the trial, but you told the religious leaders, we're for this. Wow. But you know what's amazing? That's not what's got Peter all fired up. Now, we get all fired up because we know the full story of the cross. We get fired up about the cross. But Peter, this time, didn't get real fired up about the cross because he didn't understand all about the cross. The cross, at this point, was more the death of the guy he was going to follow. So that wasn't what got Jesus all, or Peter all fired up about Jesus. Well, Dwayne, if it wasn't that, if it wasn't the signs and wonders and miracles, and if it wasn't the crucifixion, what's got Peter all fired up? Oh, it's the next verse. God raised him up. God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let me tell you what's got Peter fired up. Because Jesus Christ did something that no other person has ever or will ever do. I love, I love Andy Stanley. We throw this around and I never get the quote exactly right and that's okay, but I want to give him full credit for it. Andy Stanley pastors um, down, at, down at the North Point Church in Atlanta. He said it's like this. When you have a man who predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off, you kind of got to go with him. You just kind of got to go with him. You know, you may have questions, you may not understand it all, but when a man can predict his own death, we can do that pretty well. But his resurrection and pulls it off, you kind of got to go with that. And that's what's got Peter fired up. That's why the 11 guys all were willingly martyred for the cause of Christ. It wasn't their their intense love for Jesus. It wasn't even the cross at this point. It was the resurrection. And church, we got reason to be fired up today because he lives. And if you don't think that's good news, it is. You'll especially appreciate it times like Tuesday. When we gather over there under the steeple and we say our last respects and our love for a man named Bruce who did not have an easy life but showed us faith like no other man that I've seen recently. And he is celebrating his first Easter in heaven. In heaven. It becomes a big deal. Thursday, I was at the funeral home. As Betty said goodbye to a twin brother. It was good news to know that Jesus Christ and His amazing grace still changes lives today. So it's really, really a big, big deal. Jesus Christ 
could not be held down. This verse, I don't know if you can remember the last song when death was arrested and death was destroyed. Listen to this verse from Hebrews. Now, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament, okay? We're not even sure who wrote it. Some people think Luke did. Some people think Paul did. We're not really sure, but listen to this verse. It's really powerful. He, now this is Jesus, and the topic has been the death of people. Jesus, likewise, shared in the same, in death. That through death, because he experienced death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus experienced death so he could destroy the agent of death, Satan himself. But then it goes on. And release those who through fear of death were held all their lives subject to bondage. Is there anyone here today who has been released from the fear of death? Can I have a witness? Can I have a witness? Are there people here who have been set free from the fear of death and from the bondage of death? Now listen. I mean, if there are bus getting loaded today for heaven, I'm not saying I want to get on the bus today. Well, when God says your time is up, my ticket's punched. It ain't because I'm a preacher. It ain't because I'm a Baptist. It ain't because I go to church. It ain't this and it ain't that. It is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus. And I know, I know. You're here today and you're going, I ain't never heard this story before. I thought church was a bunch of good people. That's where good people went. And heaven was for good people and hell was for bad people. No, heaven's for forgiven people. And churches are filled today. I don't want to bust anybody's bubble. But church is not filled with good people. It's a place of forgiven people. It's a hospital. It's a place where sinners come to hear about how much God loves them and how Jesus can forgive them. That's what church is all about. So, so God loosed the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because of Easter, because of what happened on Sunday morning, Jesus Christ has defeated death forevermore. And listen, again, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but you do understand there's only one way out, and don't get theological on me, okay? Don't have time for that. But there's one way out. We have a 100% success rate with death. It may be young, it may be old, but barring what we call the rapture of the church, every person's going to die. And man, when you come to that moment, you want Jesus to be your best friend. And that's what today is all about. You don't need church to be your best friend. You don't need religion to be your best friend. You need Jesus to be your best friend. I love, I love John chapter 17. John 17 is Jesus talking about his own death. This is probably several, several months before the actual death of Jesus. Here's what he says. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take up again. In other words, because of my participation in the great plan. That, that men need a Savior, men need it redeemed. And so Jesus came to earth, had Christmas, was born, uh, like, and made a man, and then died on Easter, Good Friday, and resurrected on Sunday. Okay, Because of all that, because of that happening, he goes, my Father loves me because I participated and was obedient in the plan. No one, no one takes my life from me. Want to know why? 
They couldn't. They couldn't. Couldn't if they tried. They tried. But, but when he died, yeah, but listen, listen, it says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. You know, he said several things on the cross when he was up there dying. But one of the last things he said was, it is finished. And then the gospel records that he yielded up his spirit. He willed himself to die. What the Romans did their best to do, they could not do till Jesus willed himself to die. He laid his down, his life for you. Listen, please hear me. It wasn't murder. It wasn't a martyr. It was a redemption plan. It was the great rescue. And God loves you so much. He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for us. That's what it's all about. He goes on and says this. He said, I have power. We like that. We have, I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. I have power for Good Friday. But I've got power for Resurrection Sunday. I've got power to be nailed to a Roman cross and shed my blood for the redemption of men and women. And I've got power to take it up again on Sunday morning. I've got power. I lay it down and I pick it up. This command I have received from my Father. Peter goes a little bit further and says this. The Bible says in verse 37, skip down just a few verses. Now when they heard this, when all the people heard this whole deal... When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It pricked their heart. It said, man, I didn't pay attention to this. It pricked their heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They said, we sense that this word demands an answer. What should we do? Now, if you stop and think, if you don't mind me going back just a little bit, if you stop and think that this book has stood the test of time, it's not, a, it's not a new book, it's an old book, and as hard as they try to disprove it, they can't disprove it because it's the Word of God. If you consider the fact that we know more about Jesus than all the Roman emperors put together, when you think about that, when you, when you think about the fact that he did signs and wonders recorded in this book that so many of us have learned to trust, when, when you understand the fact that 11 men, just 11, started and they laid their life down believing and they witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, willing to die for what they saw and believed, and countless thousands have believed, when you weigh in the fact that fully over one-third of the world identifies Jesus Christ with God, when you weigh all that together, okay, it demands a response. When you weigh in the fact that each one of us one day will... will Face this thing called death. It demands a response. What shall we do? Well, what Peter said, then Peter said to them, repent. Now, I know that's, that's not really a word. That's not a word. Let me tell you what repentance is not. Now, I know because we're all in church today, we don't speed. Can I have an amen there? We, we don't speed. So, but, but the guys at First Baptist probably do. Okay, but we don't. So we're driving down the highway doing 75 and a 55. Can I have a witness? Not us. Now, we don't do this. We're doing 75 and a 55, 
And then right over the hill, we see the flashing blue lights. Okay? Now, when we see the blue lights, and we're doing 75 and a 55, what do we do? We hit the brakes, baby. Okay? Slow down to about 57, 58. Okay? That's not repentance because... As soon as you get over the hill and the policeman can't see you anymore, how fast are you going? You're doing 75. That is not repentance. Repentance usually occurs when you don't slow down in time and the policeman pulls you over and gives you a $130 ticket and you're going to try to explain to your wife why the budget can't be met this week because you've got to pay your speeding ticket. And they explain to your insurance company, and you get converted, and you get changed, and you decide driving 75 in a 55 is not a good idea. That might be repentance. See, repentance means to turn away from. So it basically means like this. It means I'm going in this direction, and I turn away from that. So when Peter says that we need to repent, it involves us admitting that we've sinned. And you are such good company today because the Bible says everybody has sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even a single one. So, so Peter says, now you're sinners, so we're going to turn away from that sinful life. And when you turn, you're going to do something different. And that something different is following Jesus Christ. Not becoming religious, not start going to church, not becoming a Baptist, not starting this or stopping that. Those things might be involved. But to repent means to be going this way, turn around, and choosing to believe and follow Jesus Christ. Christ. So Peter says that we need to repent and let everyone even be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Well, that sounds pretty religious, Wayne. What is all that about? What's that all about is the word baptized means to identify with. So when a person is baptized, they're identifying that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, just like we sang about today. It's identified with the fact that we believe that Jesus died, we believe that Jesus resurrected, and that Jesus Christ is the Son of of God. And we're baptized, how? In the name of Jesus Christ. Well, for or because of the remission of sins. That's the response. That's the response. And then he goes on and says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that really sounds religious, Dwayne. But the bottom line is this, you're made a new, curse, a new creation. You're made a new person. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's the response. That's the response to Easter. To turn from our sins and to follow Jesus. Church is cool. Religion's cool. It just won't get you to heaven. But Jesus Christ will. And you know what's even cool too? Is that Jesus never said, once you follow me, you've got to be perfect. We're going to mess up. But he didn't demand perfection. He demands faithfulness. Our devotion, our love, our loyalty, but not our perfection. Because see, some of y'all are saying, I can't be a Christian because I mess up too often. Ta-da! Join the club. But that's what grace is all about. And I'm telling you guys, it is a game changer. It will truly change your life. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of to believe. God puts you here for a reason. You know, there's a story I like to tell of what happened in Africa our last trip. Um, we would go hut to hut, you know, 
And they had little stores there. Really, were just huts. But they had little stores. And so we, we went in there and said, hi, I'm Dwayne, and, you know, and I'm a white guy, and you're not. And, you know, I have really white guys on the whole island, you know. And so we're sitting there, and so we, we tell the story about, you know, I tell a Bible story from the Bible, and I say, you know, is this something you might be interested in doing? And I explained about Jesus Christ and turning from sin and all those things. He said, yes, I really would. He goes, but I'd rather see the movie first. That's what he said. You know, over there, seeing a movie is a big deal. And he had heard that there's a movie, the Jesus movie, that he wanted to see the Jesus movie. And if we could bring the Jesus movie back, then he'd be willing to trust Jesus. You know, I said, I said, what if you die before the movie gets here? What if you die before the movie gets here? He goes, hmm. And I said, can I ask you something? Of course, we're talking to a translator. I said, do you think it's kind of strange that there's a white guy, and I can't remember the African name for it, but there's a white guy all the way from the middle of America who flew thousands of miles on an airplane, got on a boat and drove to... Drove. What do you do with a boat? Pil- piloted? I don't know. Don't get me sidetracked with these thoughts, okay? But got in a boat and came to your island... And this white guy from central, you know, the middle of America, guy in this boat, came here to tell you about Jesus. Don't you think that's a little strange? Don't you think that might be God? You all saw the light come on his head. Bam. He goes, yes, I want to receive Jesus. And he did that day. He did that day. He did that day. And that day, he looked me dead in the eye and said two words. Thank I don't know if you, you know, somebody said, hey, they're giving away free lunch at Dorisville today. I don't know if you look at the calendar and it says Easter, we all go to church. You may be here because your wife threatened to kill you if you didn't go. Students, you might be saying, mom and dad made me come today. You know what? I got a bigger picture than that. Maybe, just maybe, God arranged for you to be here to hear about Easter and Christmas. And the fact that Jesus loved you enough to die for you. And that he died on Friday, but he did not stay dead. He got up on Sunday. We want to give you the opportunity to respond. I know this is weird in front of all these people, and believe me, you don't have to do it this way because I'd be glad to talk with you later. You can call the church office and say, Hey, Dwayne, can you come to my house? We'll come to your house. You can find someone you know, that you know that's a Christian, and they can tell you about how to ask Jesus in their lives. But we're going to have a decision time. And Brother Brent's going to be standing right now in front here, and we want to give you the opportunity to come down and say this. Hey, this made sense to me. I want to know more about Jesus. That's it. And we'll try to answer your questions today. And what better day to experience Jesus than Resurrection Sunday. What better day? So this is your time to respond to the good news of what Jesus did for you on Easter. So let's pray together. Hey, Father, thank you so very much for today, for what it stands for. Jesus, thank you for Good Friday, but how we celebrate today the resurrection that proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the Son of God. You did what no one else has been able to do. You destroyed and you defeated death forevermore. And you did it because you love us. Thank you that, that regardless of our skin color, our economic situation, our address, the labels we wear, how good or how bad we may see ourselves, you did it for us, all of us, because you loved all of us. So I just want to pray, Holy Spirit. That you'll speak some hearts today. And we would receive the great news. We should respond. What shall we do? And the answer is.
turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.